This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 445. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and thrilled to be here on this fantastic Tuesday. We've got uh, a great episode lined up for you today with a special guest whom I'll bring on here momentarily. Uh, But I'm really excited to talk with her about the shooting sports, getting more folks involved, getting our youth involved, teaching kids how to shoot. We'll just see where the conversation leads us. I know it's going to be a great time. I uh, got a bunch of you checking in on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for watching. Uh, for those of you that are listening only to the podcast audio, we welcome you all as well. We've got uh, Randy checking in from Smoky SoCal. Uh, our prayers uh, going out to all those of you on the West Coast fighting some really nasty fires. We've had our own fires to deal with here in Colorado, although it seems like things have quieted down for the most part here. But lots of problems out there in California, Oregon, and Washington State. So, Best of luck to you all, and uh, again, our prayers. And so, let's go ahead and uh, let's get things rolling here. Today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by, first, Hi-Viz Shooting Systems. Uh, we've uh, been honored and, and pleased to be involved with Hi-Viz on a couple of uh, projects. Uh, I had the opportunity of testing out their still pretty new LightWave H3 sites last year. And uh, still, still have them on my uh, Glock 17, in fact. Uh, they're a great, great set of sights, uh, very high visibility. That's that's the idea with high-vis shooting system sights. So uh, super excited to have highvissites.com uh, on today's episode as an episode sponsor. And in fact, our guest today on the show is sponsored by Hi-Viz, So, And we'll bring her on in momentarily. Uh, today's other episode sponsor is Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com, of course, is where you can learn more about the place for our members to get together and be a community of concealed carriers and shooters alike. Uh, again, concealed, or well, GuardianNation.com, but I was going to give you guys a link for a free 14-day trial. If you're just kind of wondering where it's the place for you, the right thing for you, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-day, 1-4-D-A-Y. That'll be a free 14-day trial for you. Uh, no commitment. You're welcome to cancel uh, before the end of that. And uh, we'd love to have you as part of the nation at GuardianNation.com. And so let's now bring in our special guest. Today we have Becky Yackley. Hey. Uh, she's here with me now on, on screen. Uh, Becky, you're uh, you're sponsored by HiViz, as I mentioned a moment ago. And HiViz is a sponsor of today's episode. Uh, yeah, you're repping the shirt there. That looks great. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if you're like me, I, I've worked with a number of sponsors through the years, and I don't work with people I don't want to work with. Uh, I don't work with products or represent products that I don't care for. So, I'm guessing you're in that same boat. What do you like about High Viz Shooting Systems and their sites? Well, Riley, thanks. Uh, first, thanks for having me on here. I'm enjoying this. Um, and hi to everybody who's tuning in. Um, so yes, HiViz, we've worked with them for a number of years. Our whole family uses them on our shotguns and our pistols. Uh, I really love the sights because what is the first thing someone's going to tell you when you're shooting, especially a handgun? Generally, if you're not hitting your target, what are they going to tell you? Well, they're 
a lot of times I hear the old, the classic anticipation issue or uh, something to do with trigger. But I think where you're going is also not being able to decide, not being able to aim the gun, something along that line as well. Right. Like people will often tell you a new shooter, especially focus on your front sight. Right. Uh, when yeah, we're shooting yeah. competition, sometimes it's really fast and you need to just see your sights. You need to track your sights. So the fact that the high vis, their fiber optics are so bright. Um, it's awesome because it helps you to see your sight, which is what you need to do mosquitoes uh, in order to, sh- to hit your target. <laughs> so the fact that they make such uh, visible sights, they're, they're really good for that. Uh, but we also this year have a whole bunch more on our personal concealed carry guns. Um, so like I'm, I have out here right now, like they make little sights for the LC nine and LCP. Um, so it's just nice to be able to have that same technology that they have and the brightness that they have in their competition stuff in their hand, uh, concealed carry for our concealed yeah. carry guns. So, yeah, you know, I, I, like I uh, one of their really bright, uh, beads for my shotgun that I was shooting in three gun, uh, because, what I like, I don't know about you, but I really like high contrast, uh, particularly with those critical aiming components. So like on the shotgun, your bead, right? And you right. don't want to be focused on that thing. You just want to be able to see that, look at your target, see that come into view on target, press trigger, right? Uh, so the the, the high-vis uh, sight for that's awesome. Uh, similar for my pistol sights, I really like a, a, a very bright, very visible, high contrast front sight. Uh, I actually generally these days will black out my rear sights. I just like that rear black blackout notch, but high vis front sight is perfect for that high visibility front sight. Just exactly what I'm looking for. Yep. Yeah. We run their tri-comp site for shotguns. Uh, and what's great about that site is it comes with, gosh, is it six? I think maybe more, uh, different little fiber optic inserts. So there's circles, there's triangles, and there's the really high vis green, uh, and then there's a red, orangey red too. So it, it's great. Like if you have, uh, you're shooting in the fall and the trees in the color are a problem, you can switch your sight out, your fiber optics so that you can see it a little more clearly and it pops for you. So yeah, that's their well, you, remember what, you remember what the site's called. I, I didn't. So thanks for uh, reminding me of that. Uh, it's a fantastic site. So Awesome. Uh, Becky, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're, you've been a competitive shooter for, well, from what I understand, pretty much all of your adult life and probably even into your childhood as well, uh, yourself, uh, you've shot a lot of different disciplines and you've been quite successful, a lot of different disciplines. So give us a run. All right. So the wind picks up right when I'm going to talk, but, um, so I've shot since around 1989 um, I was 14 and we started shooting high power. My dad, my sisters and I, so my dad's a gunsmith. He had gunsmith for Krieger barrels for over 30 years. So that's kind of how I got into shooting was shooting high power and M14 service rifle, uh, iron sights. So the idea of the need to really see your sight and understanding the role that plays in being able to shoot well is, is kind of like the, the starting place for me in a lot of ways. Um, but so I shot high power, I shot small bore, I shot air rifle in college, high school. Um, and then we shot air pistol, free pistol. That's where I met. My husband was on the rifle team in college. So Mark and the boys and I then started shooting again, getting back into competition as the boys got older. So we have three sons, Tim, Sean, and Andrew, and they are 16, 20, and 22. And we all have competed all over the country, uh, around the world, Tim and I. And um, yeah. 
We so we shoot three gun USPSA, IPSC, Bianchi, uh, some PRS this year, and dabble in a few other things. Marks the Marine Corps, the OIC of the Marine Corps Reserves action shooting team. So like right now they have their coaches course going on at Quantico. He's out there, but yeah, we're we're busy all over. <laughs> yes, you are. And in fact, they refer to your family as the Yakley Five. Yeah. Yeah, we were, you know, when we were trying to make a Facebook page, gosh, maybe 2014 or so, we were trying to, like, how do you say what what's going on here that you have so many people competing? And so that was kind of the thing. <laughs> you, your husband, three boys, uh, and, and like I said, you're all phenomenal shooters. I've had the pleasure of watching you shoot a few times, uh, competed in some of the same three-gun matches. And Tim, your, your oldest son, is just a phenom, you know, of a kid. Uh, I mean, they're all great, but uh, I really enjoy watching Tim. I mean, as he's grown up and developed into the shooter he is today, he's uh, top-notch. Yeah, he's he. So Tim has put in a lot of work. You know, he'll you'll hear people say, "Wow, it doesn't look like he's going that fast," or something of that nature when he's done with the stage. And I think a lot of it is uh, one time we were walking um, Blue Ridge Mountain Three Gun. It's a pretty popular three gun match, and Andy Horner over the years has had lots of challenging stages, and they'll be long, like. I don't I forget what the timeout is, but it might be like three minutes or something. So we're walking the stage where you go through a barn and you shoot all the shotgun and then you grab your pistol and shoot all this pistol. And then you're going to grab your rifle. Um, and so there's a barrel where you're going to dump your shotgun and we're walking this stage and Sean comes up and Tim goes, no, no, no. And he grabs him and he pulls him over like two steps. He goes, you need to be right here. So this is, you know, in the course of the day, the day before the match, when you walk all your stages and you kind of get your stage plans and he's, he's, you know, kind of narrowing it down. So, like you've heard the term thin slicing where people talk about seeing like just that little moment in time. And I think that he does some of these things naturally and it's part of what makes him successful at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching him shoot a stage at the Wyoming governor's match that, uh, I, I remember getting done shooting it and it was probably one of my better stages. Uh, and it was one that, you know, you started on one, bay and then you get done shooting there i think with a pistol and then you run around the end of the berm and hop up into some truck and then shoot you know long range targets from that from that truck the back of that truck yeah i remember that the mrap or or no it was yeah the mrap that's right yep yep and uh i remember seeing the video of him after shooting it and i'm just like what (laughs) like (laughs) the the time he laid down was just phenomenal because you're exactly right like watching the video even's like it still doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but the time was just unreal. So that's that's yeah. the day I, I you know, that's when you have that uh, humbling uh, uh, hum, hum, you know, moment of humanity where it's like I will never be that young and that lightweight and that spry again. Right, uh, like I will never be able to jump. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I'll have to get better elsewhere, but I'm never going to beat Tim. You know, moving and running and also climbing up through the awkward positioning of getting into that uh, top turret seat of a MRAP. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny. I think that that's something too. He'll, he'll talk about that frequently with his brothers with when he'll help out like at the junior camp, he'll teach the kids. It's not necessarily about doing things faster. It's about doing the things, you know, it's not pulling the trigger faster. It's doing everything in between the shooting faster, right? Whether that's, you know, whether that's movement, whether that's transitioning, even just transitioning between targets, the faster you do all those other things that aren't the shooting, the faster the shooting can happen. Yep. 
Yeah. Awesome. It's uh, fun, fun stuff. Fun, and it's fun to watch your whole family shoot. So it's, it's uh, something I would love to get my own family and kids uh, more involved. And maybe we could touch on that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've, you and I were talking before the show that I've got five kids, you got three. Uh, so I got you outnumbered there, but yours got me outnumbered in terms of like match wins and stuff. But uh, uh, so, you know, uh, my kids generally like shooting. My 11-year-old daughter doesn't really care for it. For her, she's very, she's very sensitive. Uh, she's she's sensitive to loud noises. She's sensitive to large impacts. Uh, she's just a very sensitive child. So it's not really in her nature to want to pick something up that goes boom, you know, and yeah. loud and hits her in the shoulder or that sort of thing. And so I think with her, she's mostly shot just the 22. I think we did get her to shoot. Uh, I think she shot an AR once because I was like, Hey, look, this one's not going to really kick much. Uh, so give this one a try. And she was okay with it. But again, it's loud, right? right. Double plugged, you know, uh, over the earmuffs as well. And uh, still it's just, you know, not really That's her thing. Her kids thinks it's awesome. Right, uh, my right, right. Daniel daughter, especially like I, I can't, pull her away from the guns. If, if, if she touches them, she, she just wants to go, go, go. And she'll, she'll right. shoot the whole family's ammo budget. So. Right. Right. Which is right now <laughs> we had a, a shootout this weekend at the gen three match we were at and people, you know, like when one, it was head to head. So when one team won, other people were just kind of finishing up their steel and uh, Tim, his team was behind, but he was going to finish the steal. And uh, Chad Francis joked, he's like, yeah, just shoot that $10 worth of ammo right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, true. So true. But, you know, that, the reason, <clears throat> let the motorcycle go by. Uh, the reason <laughs> I asked about your daughter and what you shot with her earlier when we were talking was how some kids, they are sensitive, right? Even adults, it's it's overwhelming because you don't, if you if you haven't done this all the time, you know, it's, it's a new experience and you have to re realize like human beings, we're going to react. If there's a little explosion that we're holding in our hands, we're going to react. So double plugging. Um, we just picked up a couple things that required tax stamps yesterday and we're super happy about it. But <laughs> one is a nine mil. I wanted that governor's cut match and it took till now to finally get it. So uh, it's uh, but like shooting a handgun and having a suppressor on it. it makes so much of a difference our friends that are overseas in britain they're always kind of laughing like you guys you americans can have all these guns but you can't have the things that make them more polite or a little more friendly to shoot without jumping through a bunch of hoops so so um, true you know aside from saying like parachute a suppressed gun she'll enjoy that more i would i would definitely stick with 22s uh, maybe do some air rifle stuff with her something that's gonna make it a or even paintball our, uh, my boys, yeah. they love doing that. Um, but things that are going to make it more fun and more friendly so that they get more confident. Some people, like you said, your nine-year-old likes the, likes the noise and isn't afraid. And some people, it's just kind of their nature. So it's, it's definitely yep. something that you have to introduce people to the right way. Um, we all see the fail videos on YouTube or Facebook where people hand someone a gun and they lose control. I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's horrific to me. It's terrifying because you think they could turn around with that and, and really truly harm someone. So the way that you introduce someone to shooting is really important and, and understanding that that can impact not just them, but so like, that's your daughter. It's going to impact her family in the future. Yeah. 
that's a great point, you know, and it, it's something that we keep working on a little at a, at a time. Uh, and, and, and I, I'm not too worried about her. I think eventually she'll, uh, she'll get more and more comfortable. It just is going to take more time with her. Uh, she, she likes a 22 great. And boy, I'll tell you, that's a thing. And that's what I keep telling her. She's a fantastic shot. She, she it just, she just picks it up. Yep. Puts sides on target. She d- has very good form, great trigger mechanics, press trigger, would, and she drills it. We would always joke. So in college, we would hear our coaches and people talk about women being better shooters than men in like air rifle and small bore because you have a lower center of gravity, you have wider hips, you have different balance and all that. But I think when you see, uh, especially in kids, younger children, girls tend to be more mature than boys, a little more patient. So you're going to see them oftentimes pick things up faster. They might not have the strength and the skill. So we'll see, uh, like this weekend, there was a little girl who picked Tim and another uh, former junior for her teammate, uh, Brady Lying. And they're both really, they're, they're amazing young men. And then there's this little girl and she's shooting a 28 because that's all she can handle. And uh, Jay Carrillo lent, him, lent her his, uh, his Benelli, his open gun, for the shoot off. And so she was, she had a couple issues and it's partly like it's an inertia gun, she's a tiny person. So there's all these things that play yeah. a role. In but you know, she was game for it and she, she went out there and gave it her all. And it was really good to see. <laughs> good, good for her. Good for her. Yeah. yeah that, uh, speaking of, you know, so talking about getting shooters into the shooting sports and particularly like our youth. Uh, so you've, you've actually mentioned the uh, gen three, uh, a match that you guys were just in uh, in uh, Missouri. Yep. Uh, something I've wanted to attend myself. It just hasn't ever quite worked out on the calendar. Uh, I've wanted to take my my older son there. Uh, well, I, hopefully next year we can make it make it happen. Hopefully ammunition won't be uh, quite the problem that it is currently. But uh, uh, that's a great match because uh, for those that don't know about that match, that three gun match is it is a fundraiser for youth. Provide scholarships for youth. Uh, tell us right. a little bit about that. So Generation Free Gun, it's a nonprofit, and it's Chad Francis and Jeff Welsh. Uh, they're down in Missouri, but <clears throat> their kids were competing, and they wanted to help more kids be able to compete. So basically what they do is they will give kids scholarships. They have to shoot a match, send them their proof that they paid and their, or, you know, their results from the match, and they're going to refund them their match fee. So it's a good way to get kids who might not be able to attend a match to come to a match. And now that match also offers free junior entry. So all of us adults who go and pay our entry fee, we're, we're raising money for, for that effort, to that effort. And they did a lot of fun stuff. Like they did uh, auctions, live auctions there at the awards of the match. And they do raffles. They had some really nice guns. Um, David Power from Unitable of the Plastics, he runs the Industry Choice Awards and he donated a bunch of guns to that raffle. So they had some pretty cool stuff from ADM and, uh, POF and they had some nice stuff on the wrap table there. I've always been really impressed, you know, just looking at the various posts and images and videos from social media through the years, I've been really impressed with how the, a lot of industry players have stepped up and supported that. I mean, you're, you're totally right about some of like the certificates and prizes that these youth walk away from that match with is just like, Wow. Like <laughs> I want to go shoot that match, you know, yeah. uh, I wish, I wish, I wish I had, um, well, I wish some of that kind of stuff existed when I was a kid. I also wish I had had some of the opportunities that some of these youth are getting these days. Uh, when I was, you know, that age, uh, I grew up in 
middle of nowhere, Idaho, and there was nothing around. You know, shooting was step out the back door. You know, right. here's your, you know, uh, uh, your Marlin 60 or your 1022. Go, you know, go and shoot pop cans, whatever, and have a good time. Uh, I didn't know that, uh, that matches existed. I didn't know anything like that was out there in the world. And maybe that wasn't even really in that area. I know it is now. Uh, it's actually kind of amazing to me to see some of the matches that are being run in Idaho these days. Uh, and maybe I just didn't know about that stuff, but wonderful organizations like uh, generation three gun. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that's fantastic. I, I need and to get my son more involved. I would love to add to it. Um, I don't know. If, like I'm sure you've seen posts when we shared about the two A heritage junior camps. Um, that's a nonprofit that I started because of the experience our boys had going to the USPSA area camp. So in terms of getting new people involved in shooting, um, part of our goal with that it was that this this area camp affected us in that it wanted new shooters. It wasn't like you have to have you know X number of matches under your belt and have all the gear. They said, bring what you have. We'll help you out with anything you need and come and learn. And so that's kind of the philosophy we incorporated into the 2A Heritage Camps. And um, we've been going on several years here. We started on our own in 2016. But I helped uh, run MGM's junior camp on the East Coast for several years before that. And I think having the opportunity for kids to come to something, even if they don't have the gear, is really important. Like this year, we brought loaner shotguns. We lent out pistols. Um, and, and the kids that came, some of them didn't have shell holders. Like Katie Francis let the boys use her shell holders. And people were borrowing our shotgun or whatever. And it really helps those kids understand whether they want to get into this. It helps the parents let their kids have this opportunity to learn without having to invest a lot of money. So I think things like that are really important that we help make them happen so that new kids can come and understand. Like you said, you grew up not knowing about these sports. That if there's an opportunity for kids to come learn about them, they should come and learn. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, speaking of like, and we've been talking about youth somewhat here, but also just getting shooters or people in general involved in the shooting sports. Uh, I found for me, for it wasn't until when was that? 2015, 20, I think about 2015 that I shot my first match, like, like official, like match of any kind. Okay. Uh, I in some informal competitions with some friends and family. I, you know, my, I have a shooting family, my, my uncles and my cousins and we'd get together and sometimes it would just be a, well, who can make this shot, you know, and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until about 2015, I shot my first match. Uh, and I think what, held me back was number one, not knowing what you don't know. Right. So you hear about these things and you're like, okay, like that's cool, but you don't really know where to find, find out more info. You don't know what the organizations are. You don't really know so much a lot about the disciplines. Uh, and, And then, and then once you start kind of figuring maybe some of that out, then you're still like, well, it looks like I need all this fancy gear and equipment. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's your advice to, People well, that maybe find themselves kind of in that boat. And I know we have people listening to this podcast today that, that are in that boat. In that boat. Okay. So I'm going to say the first thing that you should do is find a place to go. That's kind of number one, right? You can't go unless you know where you're going. Unless you have somewhere to go to. Um, so get on practice score, practicescore.com. And you're going to be able to search by your city, your state, your zip code, your region. You can find somewhere to go. You can find big matches. And if you're finding something, but there's not like, you know, local league nights, a lot of places will have a league. 
or a local match. If you don't see them, look at the clubs that are on there and listed and who's holding events continually and then reach out to the club, see if they have a Facebook page, see if they have a website. And you're probably going to find out more opportunities than you're even going to see on practice score. But practice score would, to me, is like the hub to find out what's happening in terms of competitions and events. Um, They have a competitions listing, like matches, and then they have one that says events. So people should explore that. So I'd say that's number one. And then in terms of understanding what you're going to do, um, there's so many disciplines out there, right? You have steel challenge, USPSA, IPSA, there's three gun, there's PRS, find something that really fits your skill level and be honest with yourself. You're not going to say, I'm going to go shoot a three gun match when I've never competed in anything before that might be overwhelming. It might not be safe. <laughs> you, you might want to, you know what I mean? You don't want to spend $200 on an entry fee and show up and get DQ'd because you didn't understand a rule. Right. Right. That wouldn't make much sense. You'd rather spend that on ammo right now, I think. Um, (laughs) so, so really like be honest with yourself the simplest place to start would be a steel challenge match because most of the stages don't require any movement. It doesn't even require a holster. So you start from a low ready pointed at a cone and you shoot five pieces of steel. You get four strings at the four strings. Right. And then, uh, they take your top three. So like steel challenge is super easy place to start. You can find, you know, NRA small bore or air rifle, things like that. Um, you've got your Isaac Walton leagues. When our boys were younger, the Isaac Walton league in Manassas, Virginia held a weekly small bar and a rifle, but I know they did small bar and they would do a camp in the spring. So something like that is another, another venue or avenue to look at. What are the local places close to you? Um, and then the gear, (laughs) I'd say for the gear, don't be afraid to buy used stuff. We bought used, um, like we bought a used Glock, I think for Mark Passamanic, um, a Glock Mm. that we shot for a while, Glock 34, um, share stuff. We still will share things. Just sometimes it's logistics trying to fit five people and their guns and gear and clothes for, (laughs) you know, half a week or two weeks in the car. You just go, you know what? We're sharing a shotgun and you're sharing a rifle because it's going to make this go fit in the car. (laughs) Right. Um, So don't be afraid to share gear. You know, if you go to a match or an event and people are like, oh, you're sharing and and they think that's a problem, I'd probably take my money elsewhere. You know, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. it's not that big a deal to separate yourself and and share gear with someone. Um, But also call a club. If you're going to go to a local event, call ahead. Say, hey, I'm new. I want to come and shoot but I'm brand new. Can I come and watch? And most of them are going to be really happy you did that. Um, our local club is Winnequa Gun Club, Lodi, Wisconsin, and they will squad you with somebody who's new, uh, more experienced, the new people with someone more experienced. They'll help you to understand what it is you're supposed to do. Keep you safe, explain the rules. So those would be some of my, my initial, like, Hey, do these things first. But the gear side of it, there is so much out there and there's so much that's like, Hey, it'd be really nice to have, you know, X type of holster mounting system. Is it necessary? Can I get by with a Kydex? We have Kydex pistol uh, mag pouches that we um, made from patterns. We bought a bunch from uh, Chris Patty's like CPWSA or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we have some that we made because we're like, we need, three or four of these for five people. So we just bent the Kydex over at my dad's and melted, you know, made it. It's okay. <laughs> you just yeah, need something uh, that works and that's functional. You don't need to have, you know, the most expensive brand new. Your kids don't need that either to start out. They can borrow something. 
they can share guns, you know, yeah. Yeah, the real important thing is that you're learning and that's your goal. Right. Yep. You know, I started out on a, uh, I, I got a heck of a deal on a XDM pistol and uh, that was my first co- competition pistol and uh, shot that for a couple of seasons. And so now as my son has started shooting more and he shot a few matches, I, you know, I'm like, well, Hey, here's my old, here's my old XDM. It, it runs, it works. Right. It's a good right. gun, you know? And, uh, yeah, uh, he, he borrows some, you know, like, I think I finally got him his own, uh, his own patches for the mag, uh, a couple other things, but yeah, secondhand, I'm on Facebook and so it was like, uh, buy sell groups, you know, they're, you gotta, you know, you're not selling guns or anything like that, obviously on Facebook uh, groups, but, uh, it's a great it's place. Great to find place there. Yeah. Yeah. Belts, pouches, all of that. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's also, yeah, it's a good place to find gear. And then just talking with people. So this weekend there was a, a junior who was at our camp this summer and he needs chokes for his Versamax. And I was like, well, let me get home and check. So that's my afternoon. I've got to go dig out the chokes and see if we have them still, because I'm like, we might have more than one set and I'll send you them. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people, you know, and especially juniors, people are really good to them. Um, you're going to find, you know, we've had people over the years who will donate stuff to the junior camps. They'll just say, Hey, I won this at the prize table. Give it to the junior camps. So we have been able to give that stuff to kids and put it in the hands of kids who actually need it, which is always really kind of fun. Yeah. I, uh, so my very first match speaking of first matches and you said, yeah, probably not best to just go out and shoot a three gun match. Well, that, that, that's how <laughs> I got started. Uh, is, but now granted, you know, to be fair, I, I had a law enforcement background was very well versed on a pistol and a rifle. I just had to figure out that darn, you know, first it was the double loading and then figuring out quad loading, you know, that, that was a struggle for me, but so you wouldn't uh, be called a brand new shooter though. So you had experience. No, but it was still, you know, it, it's always that first match uh, that uh, you, you, you're not, no, you're not going to go and impress anybody your first match and that's okay. Just get started somewhere. And right, I showed right. up, I remember, you know, I did have a shotgun. I had my rifle, I had my pistol and I did not have a caddy or anything for shot shells or anything like that. So I thought I was going to pull stuff out of pockets. I'm like, that's fine, whatever. But here's what's so cool about uh, the shooting community. I show up. Fortunately, because a friend of mine suggested it, I was like, you know, I, I had the, the the wherewithal to go and ask for like the match director or somebody, right? And so I did find the match director. I'm like, hey, I'm new. I have no idea what I'm doing. And he got me set up with somebody that knew what they were doing. And before yeah. I know it, they're like, hey, here's a, here's a shell cap. Here you go. Throw that on your ball. And, you know, stuff's getting thrown at me. And, you know, you shoot your, your first match. You start figuring out how things work, how things go. Uh, that gives you some uh, background or some some experience, at least in, in maybe how you want your gear set up. Because hey, I borrowed that shot shell caddy, but it did not work for me the way that was right. set up. Right. So now I, I want to change it. This you know, be this angle, be that angle, whatever. Yeah. Um. So, it, but honestly, uh, speaking of Mark Passamanic, uh, you bought the Glock from. Uh, Mark was uh, influential on me in my early days, uh, getting me guided. And he was like, bro, don't, don't, don't shoot three gun. He's like, start with USPSA or something simpler or steel challenge. And then, and then we do the three gun. And I'm like, no, I, I I'm stubborn. I'm going to do the three gun. So 
I wouldn't go that route. So just so you know, for the record, uh, Mark's advice was sound advice. It was okay for me, but I've gone full circle now, shot three gun for several seasons. And then last year I was like, yeah, this is fun, but you know, maybe I'll just focus on USPSA for a while. So that's where my focus is at these days. And I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun and I'm spending less money doing it too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, you know, something I would add to that is there, because there are so many disciplines, some are more complex than others. Uh, but even the ones that are pretty simple, like, all right, PRS, we were, I shot three PRS matches this year. Um, part of that is in work I do for Krieger, but, uh, back to the lending gear out, the match director at the last local match, he made this announcement. He said, look, if you don't have a piece of gear, reach out to look around in your squad and ask somebody for help. And you guys who are experienced, if you have the gear and they need it, you better be lending it to them or you're not welcome. No, not, he didn't say you're not welcome, but kind of alluded to it. Um, and it was really funny because we shot a, the big one they had, the Barrel Maker Classic. I had made this homemade like Hawaiian floral giant PRS bag. It's like a foot and a half by a foot or something crazy. And everyone in our squad used it on one stage because they're like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Can we use it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyhow, so part of my reasoning for doing that this year um, is that we had a little more uh, availability because the schedule really did change with everything going on in 2020. Uh, But I also wanted to focus, we shoot Bianchi so that we are better piston shooters. We started that in 2015, um, and we've done pretty well with Bianchi. Um, and uh, it's made us better pistol shooters because you have to make those hits. You, it's not about just expend the rounds so you get the hit. It's about making that hit in that time. It's all part-time. And that's really what PRS is. So if you can switch disciplines, you kind of switch gears. It's like cross-training for any sort of physical thing, right? You can't work everything at once. Sometimes you might need to focus on one small piece and just focus there for a little while. Maybe save yeah. all your time. <laughs> That's, a, yeah. that's a great. That's great advice, and uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, pistol shooting's already kind of been my strength. Uh, but for me, it was it wasn't so much that I was going to cross train in USPSA because I, because I needed to get a lot better in pistol. It's just that I recognized that this is where my strength lies, and I want to excel at something. I mean. I've done okay in three gun. I finished. I've had a couple of top five finishes, uh, numerous top tens. That's cool. I, I've enjoyed it. I've had a great time. But I just looked at it and went, you know what? I think if I just put the time in and dedication on the pistol that I can really maybe advance, uh, you know, get somewhere with that. Uh, and that's that's where I'm at. But I love what you're saying there because right now, here's the thing. Uh, shooting three gun is crazy expensive in, in a normal year under normal circumstances. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, because you're buying ammo for a rifle, pistol, shotgun. You got you got to support all three guns with replacement parts and maintenance and all that as well. Optics, you know, uh, it just is. It's an it's an expensive sport, and we're at a place now where ammunition is ridiculously unavailable and expensive. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, like to your point, maybe shoot, you know, shooting PRS or something might not be so such a bad idea right now because guess what. The ammo I see available on the shelves is stuff like you would shoot PRS. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And, you know, it's it's also, um, I mean, besides ch- changing your disciplines, dry fire is something people really shouldn't overlook. Um, there's a couple Instagram pages I follow 
Um, there's a gal named Amy in Alaska. I'm sure you might know it's like Amy 556. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she, her page, she's like, well, with ammo prices, I'm going to be doing a lot more of these sort of drills. And it's like really low round count. Um, and it's kind of funny because one that she put up is something we do a lot of just because it's a good drill is we'll set up a plate rack and another piece of steel and we'll just do draw to the plate rack or the piece of steel and transition to the plate rack. Or I'll just do even like draw to the plate rack, shoot one and transition. And it's, I'm trying to work on my draw. I'm working on my transition. I'm working on my first shot time. Um, but it's, it's a single round. That's it. You know, and you can do one, one year I won, um, a whole case of nine mil at, uh, <laughs> at some multi-gun nationals. And so I used all of that to practice week hand. So I did like half of it. I did like weekend draws. That was it. It was not fun, but it was productive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can do a low round count stuff and still get some work in. Well, speaking of dry fire, uh, Again, a family of five like yours, all those boys, uh, and knowing that they like to shoot, I mean, I can imagine they can chew through some ammo in a right hurry. Uh, What are some of the strategies that you've used as a family and as a mother teaching your boys? Like, has dry fire been a really big, big part of their training regimen? Yeah, no, honestly, it it is dry firing. Um, When Tim was younger, when he first started, he would do things with rifle like um, we have this big clock on the wall in the living room and he would literally just trace. It's all Roman numerals. He would trace the Roman numerals with his, you know, like with his dot just because you're going to develop that much more control with your rifle. Um, so it doesn't necessarily even have to be dry firing. It can just be weapons manipulation. Um, the IPSC stuff we shot overseas. When we went to Russia, it was really interesting because everyone from overseas is like, ah, you Americans, you're weak in all the, the, actual like manipulating the firearms because we don't do it enough we don't do a lot of reload on the clock with rifles with long guns right rifle and shotgun we don't do as much of that as we might with a pistol but even then pistol you come into what empty gun start that's you know that's the oddity uh so so really all those manipulations and those small little pieces that you need to perform well in competition the more of those you can do without using ammo the better right so dry fire uh, for little kids, like when Andrew was younger, he shot a 20 gauge for like three quarters of a season um, before we just did like, just shoot the 12 gauge. Uh, sometimes the farther targets, heavier targets, you know, you're really limited with the 20 gauge. So uh, we would have him hold the 12 gauge up or like just mount it like a hundred times, just do a hundred, bring that gun up <laughs> or just see how long you can hold it, you know, different things like that to get, to build up the muscles, the strength, you know, even I see it if I haven't shot, I've just focused on uh, pistol and haven't shot rifle for a month or two. Then you you'd pick up that gun and go, oh my gosh, heavy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for for the most part with practice, we tend to stick to low round counts, um, trying to work more than one skill into something you're doing. So it might be uh, when we were practicing for PCC, it would be pick up the gun, whether we did a table start or mount the gun. And then do one or two shots and either a movement or transition and then one or two shots. So you try to limit your ammo consumption. Uh, even in a good year, don't waste it. You know, there's there's no sense. Like, it's really fun to do a build drill and warm up. But am I going to do a bunch of them? No, not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Might do a few. Uh, like a V drill is super fun. But, you know, where you go, you set up, what is it? Two and two. And then one in the center and you go like 
but you know, back and forth. It, it's really fun, yeah. but it takes a lot of ammo. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do some of that transitioning with dry fire. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever read uh, Lady Basham's books, he talks about dry firing. And I know that there's like one example of a guy who went to the Olympics and one, he couldn't really shoot a lot that year. He did mostly dry fire. So I think it's something not to be underestimated. Um, I was just looking at a friend's video this morning, Jelena Davies. She's from, uh, I think it's Russia or one of those Eastern Bloc countries. But she had this video of a shotgun where they did popper, three steel, and then a clay that was lobbed. And it was really low over like a hard cover and then another popper. And as she stood there before the guy gave her the command and, you know, and hit the timer, I could see her eyes two times go through her eyes and her head, go through what her sequence was going to be. So mm -hmm. just something like that, like visualizing, it's really important. So you don't have to spend a lot of rounds. That's a great point, actually. You know, bringing in the, uh, the visualization piece into it as well, uh, because, you know, in, in this day and age with ammo the way it is, uh, you know, we're, all of us are probably tending to do more of these low round count type drills for practice. But then you, you take that and you, you do, you do dry fire, do more dry fire, do 15 minutes more a day than you were before, whatever that was, because all that's free. All that dry fire is free. Yeah. And then, you know, think about how many repetitions you get of that, how many, uh, sight pictures, how many draws, whatever it is that all adds up. And then. That visualizations of things. I've even practiced uh, visualizing my dry fire stages, just you know, because that's 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 the, that's where I want to be at mentally as I'm approaching a stage, as I'm getting, as I'm doing my make ready uh, for the stage. That I'm standing there, I'm going through that last you know visualization of the stage. Okay, this is you know, first I'm going to do this. Then we're going to go there. We got that target there. We got this difficult presentation over there, and we're reviewing that all in the head. I've done that in dry fire and just, just to kind of get ready for what it's going to be like on the range itself as part of the match and all that's free. And it's all the power of the mind is, is amazing. I have not read Lanny's book yet. Uh, although it's on my list of things to read. Just I've been get saying that now. Put them in your car because we've done it on roaches. We'll just, we'll just put it on again and again, because there's certain parts of it that are, they're really good to listen to. Um, especially like the self-talk sort of stuff and all of that mental side of it. I think it's, it's something that people definitely don't spend enough time on. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's really good advice. So let's uh, let's kind of bring this full circle somewhat. Uh, we've talked about a lot, we've a lot of ground here today. We started off the episode though talking about sites a little bit, talking about High Viz, sponsor of today's episode. Uh, you even touched on it a little bit as far as some of the specific products that High Viz offers, Becky. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, you, you, do you carry a gun concealed? What, what's um, so your choice of gun? I have I'm a little, well, so it kind of varies. Um, so I have a little Ruger LCP. We, we have several of them in our house. Um, we've got some high-vis sites and I'm like, this is, well, this is like the LCR, but we have some different, where am I going camera? Some of their different sites. Um, and uh, I carry that one because it's tiny. Like I have a pair of running tights. I can zip that into the pocket. Um, if you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, it's in a little sticky holster. It's super concealable. 
Um, but then like road trips where we're driving, I'm probably going to have something bigger. I'm probably going to have something, you know, it's in the back of seats. It's in the, you know, back into the car and depending on the States I'm driving through, yada, 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 you know, whether it's loaded or not loaded. Um, yeah, I, I change it up. Um, We've got an LC9. I'll sometimes steal some of the SIGs that Tim has. <laughs> it just kind of mm -hmm. depends on where we're going and what you're wearing that day. What's your favorite pistol in uh, of all, you know, out of everything available, whether you own or not own even, what's your favorite pistol to shoot? So I bought a 2011 that was built by McLaren and um, that's my three gun pistol, my limited pistol. That's my favorite pistol. <laughs> uh, it's got like a one awesome. pound eight ounce trigger. Uh, I love the gun. It's just like how it's set up and how it's, yeah, how it shoots. Um, yeah, it's probably my favorite pistol ever. And it's, it's uh, honestly the first competition pistol that I bought just for me. So. Awesome. It was used. <laughs> I bought it from uh, Lance Tingler. So it was a used gun. It's my favorite gun. The boys every so often, like this past weekend, Sean, uh, Sean got to the match and uh, Tim's I don't know if he or Tim noticed it, but they're like, Hey, look at that rear side of yours. Like something had come loose. And, um, so yeah. So they're like, you got yours, right? And I said, yes, I have mine. It's my backup gun. <laughs> you can shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you, do you, well, do you practice, uh, besides competition? Do you also practice, more of a defensive oriented side of things. Do you practice with your carry guns, for instance? Um, yes, a little bit. Like the LCPs are not fun to shoot. So I really don't shoot those a ton. Um, we've got one that has a crimson trace laser on it. And I like that uh, for, for the fact that those you really cannot like the site is like flush. So you're like, wait, is that, that's supposed to be the site? Um, so <laughs> those aren't really enjoyable to shoot. Um, but the other, the other concealed carry guns, yeah, we'll actually shoot them a bit this year. We've been a little bit more proactive and all that. Uh, again, just kind of with what's happening in the world. <laughs> it's not a bad idea to be a little more proficient with your carry gun. Um, and then the other side of it would be say like your stock Glock. Uh, Tim has one that he won last year, the 45 the Glock 45. And he was, you know, when he got it, he's like, Oh, everyone's got to shoot it. So, you know, you go out there and you shoot a stock lock trigger versus your competition 2011. It's a big difference. But if you can learn the trigger control, the visual patience to shoot something like that well, it only helps you everywhere else. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's actually a good thing to pick up a, a gun you're not, maybe, maybe you don't find super enjoyable and go shoot it. Yeah. You know, I, I actually kind of, I get a kick out of shooting guns I'm not familiar with if I have that chance you know uh, some uh, whether it's a friend or maybe I'm at an industry event and it's just like well, what's the weirdest thing here I can shoot because what I find it does for me kind of like what you're talking about is you you it forces you to go back to the basics yeah you, you can't rely on muscle memory or whatever you know you you're not relying on what you've already learned and developed skill wise with your particular gun like you just you have to pick up the gun grip it properly and then apply the, the correct trigger mechanics to it as you're pressing the trigger or or it's not going to go very well I, I was at an industry event a few years ago ammo was provided so ammo is free there's all these guns to choose from and it sounds probably weird and, and almost torturous to some people but 
I spent probably the last two hours of that event just shooting a Ruger LCP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it normally, you know, and I'm like, well, there's all, there's this pile of 380 ammo that nobody else there was shooting. And I'm like, that's mine. And I'm just going to go get really good at shooting this little stupid LCP, you know, yeah. with a not so great trigger and terrible sights. And I was, it was, it was a lot of fun at 15, 20 yards. I don't know the exact distance to try to clean a plate rack with that. Sorry. There's like a bunch of smoke coming from Sean's blacksmithing shop right now. And I was like a little concerned looking over there. Like what is going on? <laughs> if you need to go, you can go. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's all good. I don't think anything's on fire. <laughs> No, but it, you know, I actually learned quite a bit from a, you know two hours of practice of just trying to clean a plate rack with a with really yeah. difficult to shoot gun. Yeah, you know, and then then I got back to my normal gun, you know, some, uh, a few days later or whatever, and it's like, oh, this is so much easier. But it, it, and that's a good thing actually. I mean, to, to to pick up your gun to shoot it and go, that's almost easy. Like because yeah. then it, it it's also a confidence boost, and confidence I think is an important thing in shooting. Right. I would say it's underestimated uh, or undervalued. Um, so earlier you mentioned loading the shotgun and you talked about loading, you know, loading two before we loaded four. And then you were just talking about shooting something more difficult. There's, and I'd, I'd equate this again to the cross training idea that when you go back and forth between different skills and, and something that's easier, something that's harder, like there's almost infinitely like, different combinations and possibilities but for example shotgun loading we all quad load but every so often we might load two just because when you load two you have to move your hands faster you've got to move your eyes faster so it's a good way to build up that speed and then go back to all right now i'm going to load fours but my hand's going to be moving faster my eyes are going to get moving faster um and the same thing with with a pistol you might shoot something with a stock trigger and not enjoy it, not like it, but you're really getting that time learning to be patient with your sight picture, patient with your trigger control. And then you're going to go back to your other gun and be able to shoot it a little bit faster and probably have a little more visual patience than you had before. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's any, any type of practice you can get is good, but definitely switching up those skills that you're working on will help you, even if it's not always fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great, great thoughts. So, Becky, as we kind of wrap this up, uh, one last thing I'd like to talk with you is more from the from female side of things, and would like to just kind of hear from you what 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 you would like our female part of our audience to hear as far as whether it's getting started in shooting, whether it's it's with carrying a gun, maybe getting into competitive shooting. Uh, you know, I've seen the way you interact with, with other women in the industry. And I'll just say, I think you're an incredibly positive role model and ambassador in the shooting sports. So, I mean, what, what would you like to throw out there for, for the women that are listening to this program today? Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, you know, I was working with a really good friend of mine. It's, uh, our oldest Tim's godmother and her daughter who I've known for gosh, like 30 years. And they came out a few weeks ago to shoot. And I was working on this piece for NRA women. And so like all this stuff kind of coalesced and like, I realized that even people who are familiar with guns, women who they're, they're around guns, they're around shooting, they're around hunting. 
they might not be super comfortable. So my friend Wendy came and she goes, you know, I was so nervous about this. And then she, so she was dry firing. She didn't know it was called dry firing, but she was dry firing and that, that helped her. But then understanding like the fears she had or the hesitation she had, it really hit me how, um, women tend to look at firearms in many ways from a self-defense or taking care of their family, you know, from, from a perspective, not competition and going and having fun. It's all really serious. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, that's good. But then there's also the side of it where if that's the only time women learn about guns and handle them is, you know, talking about these really kind of heavy subjects and things that might be a little frightening. Uh, it doesn't make guns super enjoyable for them. Right. It, it kind of, puts it in the, like, you better carry this. So you're not, you know, attacked or raped or whatever, like all these things that aren't necessarily fun. Right. We don't maybe want to talk about that. Um, so I'd say for women become familiar enough with your firearms, especially the ones you carry that you can enjoy it, you know, focus on trying to do something fun with it. And that might mean, Hey, even if you're just, you just want to carry this to be safe, to protect yourself, to protect your family, Go do something like a competition where you can have a little fun and enjoy it because I think it's going to make you less fearful. It's going to give you more confidence. Like we talked about having confidence and that being a, a big part of being able to, you know, function under pressure and, and, you know, use the gun. Go do those things so that you enjoy it a little more and you're going to have a little more of an easy time with it. Um, I will tell people that if my kids took nothing else away from shooting competition, then they're going to keep their finger off the trigger so they're ready to shoot. They develop good habits. They can run with a gun. I mean, literally we're telling them go run and do this as fast as you can with three different types of guns, but they're doing it safely. So they're building all these really good safe firing firearms handling habits and they're doing it under pressure on the clock. It just makes you a little bit more able to then if you have to use those firearms in real life, you're going to be able to function a little more easily than someone who's never had to do it. Because if putting your safety on and off is automatic, well, Hey, there's one piece of the puzzle taken away and that much more of your brain can go focus on what's happening around you. So true. So yeah. true. It's, that, it's that subconscious level or, or automatic level of performance with those tools yeah. in your hand. Yeah. 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 I'm a big, big believer and big proponent of that. Yeah. So if you can get to that level where it's automatic to, you know, build your grip on the pistol. I mean, that's something where if, if you're only carrying concealed, like women who might only carry a gun for protection, but they don't ever get to shoot it and they have to remind themselves of how to build their grip as they're picking up their pistol, that's, that's kind of a problem, right? Because it's not going to be automatic. You're not going to have time to do those things. So I think finding a way to do it that's enjoyable till those things become automatic is really important, even if it's just dry fire. Great words of advice, Becky. We, we appreciate you and your time uh, with us on the, on the show today. Uh, appreciate all you do for the industry and the shooting sports, you and your family. Uh, and, you know, I, I'd love to have you back on again at some point down the road. Well, thank, thank you for having me and uh, enduring the wind here. Um, but no, I mean, I'd love to come back on and I, I enjoyed the chat here. This was good. Awesome. Well, folks, uh, that's Becky Ackley, and uh, great conversation. Uh, she's uh, sponsored by Hivis Shooting Systems, which is sponsored of today's episode of the podcast. So if you do me a favor and head on over to HivisSites.com. That's H-I-V-I-Z-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. 
uh, and just, you know, maybe just browse their site or see what they have to offer. And if you happen to buy something, that's cool too. So we appreciate your support of, of us and our sponsors, uh, allowing us and honestly others in this industry to continue doing what they do. Also, guardianation.com, another sponsor of today's episode. And I think that's pretty much a wrap. So, Becky, we're going to bid you adieu and wish you all the best, you and your family. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Riley. Excellent. So uh, we're going to go ahead and sign on out of here, folks. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>